Hey world, happy Father's Day to our amazing dads out there. I know I always say I have a special episode, but like this is super special because it's my dad. I had my dad on the show today and before you think, oh my goodness, why would she ever feature her dad? Well, it's because he's actually like one of the most incredible people on earth and probably in Navy. (laughs) Um, And I think that his message is so inspiring. And I even, I didn't really appreciate it until I not only joined the Navy, but have, you know, gone further and further into my career. And I think about what he's done and I'm like, holy cow, my dad is legit. (laughs) He worked through the ranks from literally the bottom up. When I say the bottom, I mean, he joined enlisted as an E1. That's the bottom rank in the Navy. And then he just recently was selected as an O6. And that's a Navy captain. Incredible. I mean, the fact that he, you know, joined with the intention of commissioning someday, becoming an officer, you know, knowing his goals, really pursuing them. And then I got to watch, obviously, as a young girl, him pursue these goals, but I didn't know the lengths as of what he was doing and how he was achieving them and how he was putting his, you know, best foot forward and the effort he was putting into everything. I couldn't appreciate it until now. And this message is about the sailors out there, the, the Marines out there, maybe those of you who are junior enlisted and you think it's impossible. You think, there's absolutely no way I could not only commission, but really, you know, move forward in my career and excel in that capacity. It's just unheard of. And it's not true. I mean, he's completely evident of that. And I can't even speak on this because I went to the Naval Academy. He encouraged me to go into the Navy through via the Naval Academy and have that be my commissioning source. So I didn't spend any time as an enlisted sailor. And I've had to move up, you know, professionally in different ways. But It truly just leaves me speechless and blows my mind when I think about all of these tools that he had at his disposal and how he utilized them. And that's what we all don't really understand, just exactly how many tools we have in the Navy and how to utilize them. Or maybe they're people or mentors in your life, but you don't know how to utilize them. He's going to be talking through Every single step throughout his career from E1 to 06, how he made those ranks, how he moved up in the ranks, what he did specifically. And this is an amazing mentorship opportunity for you. You know, if you haven't had a chance to sit down with an officer or, you know, a prior enlisted officer or a Navy captain and have that mentorship opportunity, Congratulations, today is your day because he is giving you that advice. So happy Father's Day. I love you, Dad. Hello, world. Welcome to the show. Today on Misunderstood, I have probably the most special guest I'll ever have on the show, the man who made me, my amazing father, Billy Frank Hall Jr., now Captain Select. Welcome to the show, Daddy. Thank you very much for having me, Kelly. I appreciate it. Duh, of course. Well, obviously, I think I've told this to my followers and especially any like sailors in the past. They're always like, oh, tell me about your father. And I I never really appreciated you and your career and your hard work until I actually entered the Navy. Because growing up, I thought it was like super normal. Everyone's dad was like super dad and just did really great things in the Navy. And then now I'm like, whoa, you're amazing. (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. I don't know about all that, but thank you very much. Well, you're also very humble. So this is why I needed to pick your brain because... I receive questions all the time from sailors, enlisted sailors, future sailors, um, even Marines who are interested in growing in their careers, but they don't really know how, or they're not really sure of where to start. And you just recently were selected as an 06 
Everyone applause, 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 um, which is huge because you joined the Navy as an E1. And for those of you who don't know, that's the lowest possible rank in the Navy. And now he is one of the highest ranks in the Navy. So I just feel like you have so much wisdom to share. Well, thank you very much. Uh, to be honest, I've been very blessed from the very first day with the decision to join the Navy. And ever since then, I've had a lot of, uh, lot of help from above and from a lot of other people. So it definitely wasn't a one-man show, that's for sure. <laughs> Not a one-man show. Also, special shout-out to your amazing wife and my mother, Lisa Hall, who is a proud Navy mom. She could probably have an episode for her, all herself just because she has a lot of wisdom to share as the support team. But seriously, I think as a family, we made a lot of sacrifices, but you have made a lot of sacrifices along the way. Well, I want to get started with why. You know, everyone always asks me, why Navy? Why did I join the Navy? But you have one of the most relatable stories that I think everyone should be able to appreciate. So go ahead, Daddy. Why did you join the Navy? Well, uh, even through college, uh, I went to college before I joined the Navy. And uh, there was times when I was growing up, uh, financially things were difficult. And I looked at and talked to various recruiters, mostly Air Force at the time. Uh, so, but I never went ahead with it and decided to stick it out and finish school. And so I did graduate with my bachelor's and got married a year or two after that. And, uh, then the economy was really bad and it was actually my super wife who <laughs> recommended or suggested that I go talk to a recruiter. And so Going back to the comments earlier about a spouse and spouse support, it would not have been possible at all had not had had I not had the uh, support of my wife. So none of this would have been made possible okay. at all. So uh, a big, big thank you to her. So I had the support of my wife and together we decided that I would join the Navy. And the reason why is initially was because there was immediate need for job security and medical benefits. Uh, my wife was, I think, about five months pregnant at the so time. So crazy. <laughs> Not I with was, me, with our my middle sister. My middle daughter, <laughs> yep. Uh, and um, I, w I had been laid off from one job and was working part-time, and that's when I approached the Navy. And uh, I decided to enlist because... I was able to get into, on active duty quicker that way than if I tried to wait out and get uh, accepted for a commissioning program. So that's what I did. And I decided to join and I decided I would pursue a commission on active duty and go from there. And mind you, this was 30 years ago, which it's so unbelievable that you've been in the Navy for 30 years. But I mean, the the opportunities haven't changed and the reasons to join the Navy also haven't changed. We always, in recruiting, we always talk about job security. And I think that's one thing that you really placed in my mind from a really young age when I was in high school was, you know, I kept looking at different colleges, but you always went back to job security, job security, job security. Kelly, it's great if you go to a college, it's great if you go to a four-year school, you get a bachelor's degree, then what? Then what are you going to do? And I was like, oh, I'll be like everyone else and join the Navy or uh, be like everyone else and not join the Navy and, you know, be a civilian. But joining the Navy right away, it like that was immediately transparent, like that security. I was 21 and had full job security, full benefits, you know, had my own little place in San Diego. And so it's still those reasons are still huge today as to like why starting out in the Navy is so incredible. Yeah. So that was probably one of the best uh, decisions we ever made. It was. And I've, I've talked about this before um, on social media, but I am a actual <laughs> product of the Navy. <laughs> 
am the reason why I'm alive is because of the Navy. If you want to expand on that down to where yeah. I was born, quite literally. Yeah, so uh, getting back to the best decision <laughs> ever made, and, and it really is true. My wife and I have never looked back in 30 years. It, the Navy has provided us so many opportunities, and not just job security, job growth. Provided me educational opportunities. It provided my family educational opportunities and travel. Uh, and it's also nice to be able to change your job every two or three years to go do something mm-hmm. different, to go somewhere else different, and uh, you're not stuck in one place. So, all of that. Uh, we met wonderful people along the way, civilian military alike and we just we just had a lot of support from a lot of people along the way and so it's been a great ride uh i think i'm looking to another a little over three years before i retire and it's gonna be hard to do it's gonna be so hard to do i'm not ready for it myself well let's start with the very beginning um as i mentioned you were an e1 so you enlisted in the navy you know you went to boot camp you became a corpsman um, and a lot of people are wondering, you know, how do you go from an E1 to an 06 in the span of 30 years, mind you. Um, but you mentioned right away after you joined the Navy and got to your first duty station, you were serious about education and education plays into a huge part of why you promote. So share with listeners exactly what you did right away when you got to that first duty station. Yeah, so uh, as I mentioned, I was highly motivated when I came in to pursue a commission. I just didn't know exactly what opportunities there were. And so one of the first things I did learn, uh, especially looking at um, the Medical Service Corps, is that uh, at the time you had to be uh, in a master's program for uh, something related to healthcare administration or business. And I already had a business degree a bachelor's degree. So I started uh, looking at that. And so I took advantage of the tuition assistance program. Uh, the college was offered right there at the Naval Hospital where I was working. And so I went there at night and started the, the master's of uh, healthcare administration program, uh, which was, was about two years long. And so and not only is that important in the military community, but people need to keep in mind that your education well, hopefully, if you do it right, will translate into a uh, civilian opportunity. You want to make it tie back to that. So when you're pursuing your educational pursuits, you want to keep that in mind. That You actually told me the same thing when I've talked about pursuing master's degrees and whatnot. I've talked about how it's not just about what applies to my naval career, but what I could use outside in a civilian job as well. And also to backtrack, like you mentioned, you had your bachelor's already whenever you enlisted. And, you know, sailors about commissioning opportunities, a bachelor's degree is an absolute necessity. There's no way, you know, when when people message me and say that they want to commission or they want to look at state 21 programs or whatever it is. And after working as an officer recruiter, if you are not on track to graduate with your bachelor's, you need to start. You actually need to start mapping out that plan because it is a necessity for any commissioning program that you have your bachelor's degree. So you already had that and then you started pursuing your master's right away using TA, which I think is awesome. I actually didn't even know that, to be honest. Yeah, that's (laughs) what happened. And uh, (laughs) it took me a little while to complete it. Uh, got PCS transfer or, or, or change of duty station transfer for those that don't know what PCS stands for, permanent change of uh, station. Moved from California to Virginia on a ship that was deployed, kind of interrupted my educational uh, pursuits in the master's program. But I finally, after about two years on board the ship, was able to complete my degree and graduate which just so happened to be the same week I learned that I was selected for the Medical Service Corps in-service procurement program. So that was a very good week. Yeah, that's a great week. So how did you 
the next thing I want to mention is doing your research about commissioning programs because there are so many different types. So how did you do your research and kind of the medical service procurement program fall into your lap? Well, actually, the first program I looked at was Navy Supply Corps because I had a degree in mm-hmm. finance and commercial banking. Uh, I looked into that, and that was when I was at the Naval Hospital. I remember putting in an application for a direct commission in that program and was not selected. So uh, I was still the E4, and uh, I said, okay. And I might have even done it twice. I can't remember for sure. But in the meantime, I was keeping my eyes open uh, for other opportunities. Uh, And I bring up the fact that I was E4 because the one program that I was interested in required me to be E6, which a hospital corpsman, first class or E6, before you could even apply. And I was E4, so that was a number of years away before I could even consider that. So I also looked at, or I actually had a Air Force recruiter in one of my night classes, medical recruiter, and I worked with him to get a package together for the Air Force Medical Service. Corps. Didn't know that either. And, oh my goodness, uh, I'm learning so much. Yep. There was a Master Sergeant, E7 in the Air Force that was in the class with me. We became buddies, and long story short, I got my package together, and he never submitted it. So that intro. Friendship didn't end very, very well. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I wasn't happy about that. No way. I remember also, yep, I also remember talking to the Coast Guard. I was doing research. I was looking into the public health service because I just did not accept the fact that someone that has a business, uh, bachelor's degree in business and experience in the finance world and now uh, military medicine couldn't be commissioned in, in a service. So uh, I don't remember exactly how I, come, I came across the Medical Service Corps procurement program, but it was when I was at Naval Hospital of Oakland, where you mm-hmm. were born, that I uh, came across that instruction and uh, I kept an eye on it. And ultimately, they changed the requirement from E6 to E5 where where all e or any e5 hm2 hospital corpsman second class and above could apply and i just put on e5 i think it might have been just after that instruction came out and so then i was eligible to apply for that msc uh in-service procurement program Talk about David. meant to be that is crazy yes, it was a huge yes, blessing that is crazy and I, I love that you mentioned all of the paths you were looking at, all the research you, was, you were doing, and how you didn't, you know, you knew what your value was and that there should be an opportunity for you to be able to commission. There is nothing more frustrating than, you know, talking with people after the fact, whether um, they enlisted or they join another service or a different community, and they say, Dang, if I had just known, you know, that with my bachelor's, I could do this or with these qualifications, I can do that. And I'm like, why didn't you get a second opinion? And like, there's so many opportunities. You just need to sit down and talk to two, three people or, you know, do your research and find out which one works the best for you. And in this case, it was, you know, this direct commission program, the service procurement program which helped you promote so thank goodness so okay let's get into you found the program that's right for you you did the research now you're putting in an application so when you're putting in an application Mm -hmm. for any sort of commissioning program where do we even start and what did you do that helped you well obviously the first thing you need to do is understand the requirements of the program so uh, I had the instruction but I also had uh, people familiar with the program to mentor me. So I, uh, on the USS George Washington, where I was a hospital foreman, second class, E5, uh, getting ready to put a package in, my uh, division officer, Lieutenant David Collins, uh, medical admin officer, was my mentor. And so I remember he helped me get my package together 
and we worked the package through various people, including uh, the chain of command on board the aircraft carrier to get the endorsements and things that I needed. But it was all about network. I, I remember having to do interviews with other uh, Medical Service Corps officers uh, for my package. And uh, he helped me every step of the way. So a mentor that's familiar with mm -hmm. the program, that's willing to go that extra mile to help you uh, is invaluable. How would you recommend someone go about potentially finding a mentor? Say, you know, you're an E5, you're looking at commissioning opportunities, um, but you don't even know how to reach out to someone, whether it's via email or on Facebook, like what would your, your recommendation be to them to even start finding a mentor? Well, just so happens, uh, had a mentoring session this afternoon with a petty officer in the aviation community who is uh, E5 looking to do the same program I did over 20 years ago. And she told me that she did uh, uh, some research on Google, Facebook, and the military has a uh, website called Mill Suite, which she was able to locate a Medical Service Corps page on Mill Suite, which led her to the Navy mentorship program. There's an official program of the Navy where she found my information. So she's in Jacksonville, Florida, and I'm in Virginia. And uh, we had a FaceTime session today. That's that's how it works. And I'll link that uh, website in the show notes for anyone who's looking to connect on there. Yes, I think that that's so valuable. Whenever I have, I know for me, whenever I was looking to go into human resources, I mean, a really professional email goes a long way. And the networking is huge. So I found the HR officer in my command at the time. I sat down with her. And she gave me the names and emails of three more HR, HR officers whom I then connected with over email and set appointments with as well. So you don't have to physically be in the same command as someone to be your mentor. I mean, look at you. You're mentoring someone who's in Florida, which is crazy. You're in Virginia. Um, but find someone whose path parallels the goals of yours and connect with them. And, you know, a lot of people ask me to mentor them, but, you know, as a Naval Academy grad and HR officer, I can give advice, but I can't necessarily mentor you towards specific OCS um, or ODS platforms or communities or health communities or aviation, things like that, because I didn't go through it myself. I can just, I can give you advice, but I can't yeah. necessarily mentor you. So like you said, the networking and finding someone in your community is so, so valuable. Well, sometimes it's not who you know, it's knowing somebody that knows somebody <laughs> yes. that has the connections you need. And that's another example of what happened today. Uh, after I hung up the phone with a petty officer, I was having the mentor, a mentoring session with, I called one of my mentors who happens to be in Jacksonville, Florida, Captain Medical Service Corps, and talked to him about the uh, mentorship session I just had and the individual I was speaking with and he pointed me in another direction which led to this petty officer getting looped into the Naval Hospital at Jacksonville MSC community so that happened this That's afternoon. That's awesome that is so crazy I'm also my family always jokes that my dad knows everyone because you truly do network the heck out of your job you know everyone it's unbelievable which I feel like is a large part of like where I got that trait because now I never waste an opportunity to meet people. You never know who you're going to meet and you know how things will connect later. Very important. So now yep. we you know we talked about finding a mentor and this is before you submit your package. What is the kind of the final piece? Would you say that sustained superior performance, that job performance what is going to help you stand out against others when submitting a commissioning package? Well, so for one thing, uh, superior job performance is going to almost be a requirement. You have to break out from the, your peers, whether that's a civilian evaluation that you're submitting or if it's a military evaluation, you need to show that you have sustained growth and responsibilities 
sustained growth and, <clears throat> and accomplishment and that you are rated very near the top of everybody mm-hmm. else that you've been rated against over time, okay, for a continuous uh, or a long time, long period of time. Uh, so that's one thing. Other things, you want to break yourself out, do something different than what other people are doing. So almost everybody that puts a package in is going to have at least some uh, higher education. They might have some volunteer uh, service, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. So just assume that everyone's going to have that. So you need to take that to the next level, okay? Step that up and come up with something that breaks you out from the rest of the group. I know that this is probably a long chat because it it's been a very long time since you submitted your package. Do you remember what you did to kind of set yourself apart from your peers? Because you had your bachelor's, you had your master's, you, had, you were the correct rank, you had sustained superior performance. Do you remember any, like what you did as the final piece of that? Uh, other than having my package reviewed by several uh, officers mm-hmm. providing me guidance on letters uh, to send to various, like my CO and things like that, make sure administratively everything was squared away. You just try to build the strongest package that you can build. That means you're having to do the heavy lifting to make sure you met the requirements of that uh, program that you got all the documentation included in your package that the program requires. Check everything to make sure you've met every uh, check item on Mm -hmm. that list because you have to be the one to do it. Don't count on someone else to do it for you. That is so true because, you know, whether myself as an officer, when I put in my package for HR, you know, I owned that package. I made sure every little part of it was exactly where it needed to be and then had other people look over it. But now, as an officer in charge, I have several sailors who want to pursue commissioning programs. And some of them haven't even looked at the instruction. And that's that's baseline knowledge. That's, you know, first thing you do is pull up the instruction on what you need to be qualified. So you have to like you said, do your own heavy lifting. You have to take charge of your own career, your, you know, your own package, all the administration that goes into it. You should be the subject matter expert in whatever community you want to go into, or excuse me, the commissioning package of what you want to go into in your own package. Absolutely. Um, So sustained superior performance, bold, italicized, underlined, super important. But like you said, pretty much, I mean, standard at this point, like you already should be stained in performing superior to your peers in whatever community. So is there anything else on the commissioning package that you would recommend to sailors or Marines who want to pursue and want to submit it? Well, education is a big piece. And uh, along the lines of education, uh, people need to keep in mind, and I think I mentioned this earlier, Education should be applicable to both the military and a civilian career as much as possible. At some point in time, every single member that's ever raised the right hand and taken the oath to enter the military will leave the military. Okay, it's just a question of when. At some point in time, uh, you're going to transition out and most likely have to pursue uh, a civilian Mm -hmm. career. So set yourself up in advance for that transition whenever it is. That's a really exciting but also sad thought. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to get out. That's sad. Oh, I'm going to stay in the Navy forever. So obviously you were selected and you were selected to commission. And um, I don't remember it because I think I was four years old, four or five years old. <laughs> but um, you were selected and you commissioned on the USS George Washington and you immediately went into the officer ranks as a Lieutenant JG, correct? Because you had already received your master's degree? Yeah, actually, like I mentioned, I found out I was going to graduate the same week I found out I was selected for the program. And so I followed up uh, 
with Navy Personnel Command to ask the question, is it possible? I'm graduating with my master's. Is it possible to be commissioned as a Lieutenant JG instead of an ensign? And they immediately came back and said, yes. That's awesome. And so all, all my paperwork was changed and uh, I never put on ensign ne bars. I went from, yeah, I went from E5 to O2 in one morning at sea on the George Washington. That is so crazy. You said E5 to O2? People must yep. have been so confused walking in the P-ways on the ship and, like, seeing you in the morning <laughs> and then seeing you after your commissioning ceremony. <laughs> uh, in, okay, so I'd been on that ship two and a half years as a corpsman. And then that morning, uh, we got underway. I guess the day before we got underway, but I had my commissioning ceremony. The CEO of the ship swore me in. Now, I was wearing khakis and Lieutenant JG bars on that ship at sea. For one solid month, we had people calling the medical department reporting a corpsman running around on the ship wearing an officer oh, uniform. It was chaos. <laughs> it was chaos. It was a lot of fun, and everyone was very professional. Oh. Uh, had out, I had an outstanding senior chief in my department who uh, let the 40-some-odd corpsman know that, yeah, uh, Billy's getting commissioned. You know him as HM2, but he will be JG and you will treat him as such never had a single second of a problem wow well so, but also they must have yep. respected you so much because i mean what you did was no easy feat you know not only did you do your research and work hard but i mean you really did things the right way not that there's a wrong way to commission but as an officer i value other officers who are prior enlisted because they have so much experience and you helped me even before I commissioned from the Naval Academy, give me both sides of the coin. You know, you always told me, you know, when you start out, you know, Kelly, you were never enlisted, but you've got to remember that these sailors have been in the Navy longer than you. Your chiefs have been in the Navy longer than you. So just remember to listen to them, you know, be cognizant of what they um, have to say what they bring to the table, but then don't be afraid to lead them because you're still the officer in charge of them. So I love that you had both experiences, you know, literally within a day. It's so crazy that you've changed and you promoted to O2, but having those experiences, I think helped you so much as a leader and in turn really helped me as a leader because I got to listen to your experiences. So now, as we move forward, uh, so we talked earlier about kind of like your pipeline, but, you know, you were selected, you commissioned as Lieutenant JG. For those of you who don't know, uh, your selection as Lieutenant is usually automatic. Uh, for me, it was automatic. It's just kind of like a time-based promotion. After two years, you promote to Lieutenant. Reason being, there's actually a lot of reasons, but um, we all have kind of like different paths different commissioning sources so our fit rips look a little funky whenever we're O1s but you promoted eventually to lieutenant so now you're an O3 and you're preparing to be selected as an O4 so what did that transition look like you know working as an O2 and O3 and now getting ready to prepare to become an O4 which is a lieutenant commander in the navy well one of the things uh, my wife and I, or your mom and I always thought of, we always thought ahead about where we wanted to be and when we wanted to be there as far as uh, career progression and location and, and things like that. When we had a family and so we wanted to set everybody up for success as much as possible. So when I first got commissioned and I finally left the George Washington uh, because I was prior enlisted, I was, uh, I had several orders, but ultimately I ended up going to uh, Marine Corps Base Camp Pendleton, assigned to the medical and the dental battalions there. So because I was prior enlisted, uh, they wanted someone with some military experience to be there interacting with Marines there. So that was an opportunity. I had, uh, I don't know, I was company commander of a headquarters and service company within the battalion. And so I had probably uh, 12 or 15 uh, sailors underneath mm -hmm. me helping to run uh, the administrative uh, 
business of uh, the battalion that I was at. And so that point in time, I had a great uh, senior chief and uh, he helped me uh, initially. And that's where I started honing leadership skills. I, I wasn't in a position to hone prior mm-hmm. to that, having been uh, an E5 radiation health technician running a major program on a nuclear power carrier. So that was, uh, that was a great experience. And, but again, you have to listen to your senior yeah. enlisted and uh, consider their, their thoughts and recommendations as an officer. Doesn't mean you have to agree, but right. you're smart to at least get it from them. Right. And so, and I remember this, obviously this is fast forwarding a little bit, but I remember you doing war college. I remember you studying at like four in the morning before you even went to work. And you really started honing in on your professional education even more so to prepare for 04 in those future ranks. Yeah, so at that point in time, I had transitioned from active duty to the reserves. And so I was working as a civilian, uh, government civilian for the Air Force at the Pentagon, but I was still in the Navy Reserve. And had opportunities still to pursue uh, command and staff college with the Air Force uh, via uh, distance learning. Okay. So they would pursue the Na- the Naval uh, War College, command and staff college, and Naval War College master's program via another program, uh, which I highly recommend. And then ultimately, I was selected uh, for 05 uh, right after that or during that. And then as 05, I uh, continued on pursuing JPME, Joint Professional Military Education, uh, level two uh, with the Joint Forces Staff College down at Norfolk, Virginia, where I was able to complete that and get my JPME level two uh, knocked out. So I have a question for you because you have done a lot of education. which, I mean, what did the Navy not pay for? Or what should I say did the Navy pay for? Because you have, I feel like, utilized every possible program that the Navy has for education. Well, uh, well yeah, the only thing that the Navy didn't pay for was the college that I paid for on my own before I joined the Navy. So uh, my bachelor's degree. Well, that's crazy. Uh, I have... Yeah, I have two master's degrees paid for by the Navy. Uh, I have command and staff college diplomas, which they're uh, air and uh, naval war college diplomas, and that was paid for by the government. Uh, so there's a lot of opportunities when you're, whether you're active duty or the reserves, to pursue higher education uh, and JPME opportunities. Used to be only four officers, but I think there are some programs now for senior mm-hmm. enlisted too. I don't know that they lead to master's degrees, but there are some uh, educational opportunities out there for senior enlisted. That is insane. I feel like that's why, not to get off topic, but when it came time for me to choose a college, you were like, Kelly, there is no reason you should be paying out of pocket for anything because the Navy is, the military is such a great resource. You know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. There's so many different programs in the military, specifically the Navy. Obviously, you led me toward the Naval Academy, but I mean, and that was the right choice for me, but there's so many different paths to take. And I'm just, I have, I'm following Hall tradition. I have not paid for a single thing so far out of my own pocket. The Navy has covered all of my education. <laughs> so that's the whole way, in case you're wondering. We have a, we take advantage of the Navy opportunities. So you mentioned, you know, I, as you were proceeding and getting ready to prepare for 05, which is commander, you know, you had the professional experience, you had the education, the sustained superior performance, all of that. But you mentioned to me earlier, one of the biggest differences now as a commander and trying to put on commander is leadership, you know, doing more inspiring. So tell us a little bit about kind of what changed at that point and how you prepared to put on 05. Well, 
Well, uh, leading up to being selected for 05, nothing really uh, broke out from my career other than having JPME uh, started. Uh, I might have completed it just before I actually pinned on uh, 05. But I can tell you one of the biggest things uh, when I was transferred from my reserve unit at Little Creek, Virginia, where I was doing a medical planning position, I went to my next reserve unit where I became the director of administration for uh, operational health support unit in Jacksonville, Florida. That's a huge medical unit that supports the Naval Hospital there. And people from that unit are scattered all over the Southeast portion of the United States. So all in total, we probably had about 1,100 people in our unit. Wow. Every one of them, every one of them were uh, in the Navy Medical Department. So you had all the Corps, Nurse Corps, Dental Corps, Medical Corps, Medical Service Corps, Corpsman. And as a, the Director of Administration, my responsibilities, one of them was also to be the Senior Executive for Medical Service Corps. So I had 25 Medical Service Corps officers that I was responsible for uh, and responsible for developing their careers and developing a mentorship program for them. And so that's one of the biggest things that I did that um, uh, separated me from the pack, I believe, on top of doing the numerous uh, fitness reports. Mm -hmm. we talk, we're talking hundreds of fit reps at one time that we had to go through depending on which core was up, what rank was up. So, so you developed your uh, own mentorship big, program while you were there. That yes, awesome. for the medical service. Wow, course. that is awesome. No wonder the apple apple didn't fall far from the tree over here. <laughs> I'm so passionate about mentorship. <laughs> I'm learning a lot. It's, it's crazy. Um, so now you're an O five, and you were an O five for how long? You're a commander for how long? Six years. So, uh, yes, yeah, so it was July 1st of 2014, I think, was my date of rank. And it'll be just over six years wow. uh, when I actually get promoted to captain. And that is exactly where I want to get ready to wrap up because now you're selected as an 06, a captain in the Navy, and it is an absolutely huge deal we're so so proud of you we actually just found out what a week ago last tuesday one week ago today yes yep. one week ago ugh, i can't believe it we were just all so ecstatic and now i listeners can understand exactly why we were so ecstatic because of the career you've had but what would you say is kind of that final stepping stone that got you from 05 206. It may not be anything drastically crazy, but you mentioned professional um, proficiency, excelling, letters of recommendation. Like, what would you say was the final piece to push you to 06? Well, first off, I believe that uh, to get to that level or that rank within the military requires that you have people that are supporting you in your command that are there to uh, basically make you look good and do their <laughs> best. I love that. And do do their job so that uh, you can do yours. So once you get your organization aligned uh, the way you want, which is my situation right now, I'm the XO of the Southcom uh, headquarters unit. Uh, as the only medical person in the 30 plus member unit, I've gone in and reorganized the entire unit to facilitate the administrative processes that we need to take care of within the unit so we can provide support to US Southcom there in Doral, Florida. It's all about enabling those people, directing them and providing guidance when necessary to help them do their best to accomplish the mission that you've given them. So that's all about mentorship. It's about providing uh, guidance and uh, rudder checks along mm -hmm. the way. And But those sailors or Coast Guardsmen, Airmen, Marines, soldiers, whatever the case may be, 
they will go to the ends of the earth to support and do what you've asked them to do. And you have to remember that and be careful exactly how you use them to do mm -hmm. that. So uh, they're highly motivated people and they're there to serve and they want to serve. So just keep that in mind. Give them the best guidance you can and let them do their thing and stay out, stay out of their way. I love that. Well, that's exactly why you are selected as a captain. You have always been such a humble leader and an excellent role model to me, but not just to me, to everyone you've led. You know, you've led so many sailors and Marines and people along the way, officers. It's unbelievable the impact you've been able to make. So as we end the episode sadly because I could talk to you forever um I'm going to ask you two big misunderstandings so first what do you think is most misunderstood about promoting in the Navy as say an officer and then as an enlisted personnel well as an officer uh, one of the mis one of the most misunderstood things is that there is no time hack that you go through. In other words, there's no set of time. You have to be one grade before you're up for the next. It's all dependent upon uh, requirements that they re will promote to. Mm -hmm. Some years, some years, uh, people get uh, more people get selected uh, as commander in different fields than others. And that's a that's a that's true across the board uh, for all military services. The enlisted side, uh, you're one rate for a period of time. And after that period of time, you know you're up for the next rank. And so uh, you you can uh, better prepare and set yourself up because you know exactly, for the most part, when that's going mm -hmm. to be. So I think that's the two biggest differences as far as promotion goes. Now you're competing uh, against a whole lot more people when you're enlisted, yeah. I believe, depending on your rank and depending on your rate. Uh, but there's also a lot fewer officers in general. And then depending on your specialty or your designator, uh, they're looking at people that have sustained su superior performance, mm -hmm. uh, had the you know technical background they need to have. And that's again depending on what. Uh, core or designated they're in and they're looking for leadership above all because that's what officers do right. they lead people so uh, that's it and lastly how do you feel mi most misunderstood if someone walked up to you today and said Wow, Billy, you're so lucky you got promoted to captain. <laughs> what would you say to them? Well, first off, I'd say luck had nothing <laughs> to do with it. I've been blessed beyond measure because it definitely didn't happen because of what I did. Uh, I've been blessed in my entire career from day one. He led me to the Navy. Um, my wife, your mom and I both believe that, and we haven't regretted it a single day since. So, uh, but you also have to be willing to work hard and do the heavy lifting and the research and set yourself up for success. Right. Think about, think about one or two career moves down the road, what you need to do to get there educationally, financially, uh, whatever it is, be thinking ahead, plan ahead. And when things don't uh, fall or things don't happen according to your plan. You have to be flexible uh, and readjust and and keep going. So I would say that never give up. Uh, right. Don't let someone tell you you can't do this or that. If you have the desire to do it, uh, you find a way to do it, right? Uh, obviously, that's all all within uh, good moral character, right. honor, courage, and commitment, as the Navy says. So... Uh, that's instilled in everything you do. I love that. Both officer and enlisted. Perfect way to end the episode oh, with be. the Navy's core values. Also, fun fact, my dad was literally born on the Navy's birthday. So we are Navy through and through. <laughs> and also, fun fact, 
all three of your daughters joined the Navy. A lot of people may not realize that. So you're really the best recruiter that's ever existed in the Navy. <laughs> I can... Yeah, uh, they, they really they should have made yes. a poster of us back in now. The day. I'm I'm the only doctor Navy recruiting still in the Navy, <laughs> but we all did join the Navy, um, and I'm so so grateful that I had you pushing me and encouraging me along the way. I recently shared this, but it was never my intention to join the military because I didn't think that there was a place for people like me. I didn't know. I didn't see a lot of feminine females. You know that had the passions and interests for things like I did. And thanks to you, you have helped me forge a path in the Navy that made me feel confident and comfortable. And I'm so grateful that I did because it absolutely changed my life. So thank you for that, Daddy. Well, you're welcome. And you also remember also your mama was one too that was uh, uh, talking with you uh, quite a bit about that decision, and so we were uh, wanted to make sure you had all the information. Oh, you I haven't forgot. The right decision. I think she is the reason we're all in the Navy today. <laughs> she, she's the number one fan. It might be. Yeah, Hall, exactly. She is the biggest fan of the Navy. So, well, thank you so much, Daddy. I appreciate it. Um, I'm going to link the mentorship website in the show You're notes for welcome. anyone who's looking for a mentor. I'm so grateful for you and you taking the time to do this. Only one week after your huge uh, results for your promotion to captain, I think that this message will help inspire so many people. So thank you, Daddy. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for the opportunity to uh, just get the word out and hopefully motivate some people out there, whether military or civilian. I uh, hope it's inspirational. And, it is. Uh, thank you. So thank you. Hey world. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you have 10 seconds of your time, please consider going to rate my podcast on iTunes. You can find me on iTunes and Spotify and also follow me on Instagram at misunderstood.podcast or at Kelly Renee Hall. I love hearing from you guys. I love feedback, insight, and I appreciate you tuning in week by week. Thanks so much. And I appreciate you continuing to find out how we can get a better understanding of ourselves.